you might not ever know what it's like to love someone of the same sex in a romantic way. But you know what it's like to be in love. And I know what it's like to be in love. And so that like feeling that you have in your gut when you're scared or when you're in love or when you have your heart broken or when you're nervous about something like that's the same. So when you hear the phrase coming out, what do you think about? Well, for most people, it's telling the world that you're gay. Truth is, we've all got closets that we come out of, though. You know, deep thoughts, experiences, beliefs, often so painful that they lay buried under piles of emotional laundry in that dark corner of our closets. And the thing is, every deeply held secret is also a source of incredible pain. You can push it away, you can deny it, but it's always there. Until one day, the pain of keeping it hidden exceeds the pain of letting it out. And so you do. That moment is hard, really, really hard. And that's what we're talking about in this week's episode. I'm Jonathan Fields. This is Good Life Project. When Ash Beckham stepped into the stage at TEDx Boulder last year, her intention was simple, share her story. Talk about the closets and comparisons and, and how they can unlock or destroy lives. And 12 minutes later, the audience rose to applaud and Ash pretty much thought that was that. Until a few weeks later, when the video was posted and exploded online, it seems she really touched a nerve. That talk is now one of the most watched TED Talks of all time and it thrust Ash into a global spotlight. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Good Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high-end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me. And it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33-inch all-terrain tires and multi-terrain select 
then unwinding with the available front row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You actually did your TEDx talk in Boulder in September, in September, mm-hmm. and then it hit the airways in October. Yeah, October, early November. Right, and and it sounds like everything changed for you. You know, I had done my first public speaking talk in Boulder, uh, February of 2013, which was great, and you know, had got some traction on the internet, you know, a little bit. I mean, for me, it was huge. And and I didn't really know what to do with that. And then for work, my family does. Uh, we put on sports tournaments, youth uh-huh. sports tournaments. Oh, cool. So it's summer is like kind of the busy season. So I got, you know, got a couple gigs and signed a couple things and um, and then decided that the same folks that did Ignite Boulder do uh, TEDx in Boulder. So I talked back and forth with them and then sat down with Aaron and was like, okay, you know, now that I'm in this TED thing, what are we, you know, what are we going to do? And then Developed that and then, you know, didn't really. And I was like, yeah, it's 12 minutes. Like, nobody's going to listen to anything right. for 12 minutes. The other thing was five. People watching anything for right, five Right, I'll bang minutes. it out and I'll, I'll move on. Exactly. I was like, if that thing, you know, and it was never really about the numbers. But I was like, you know, if it gets 100,000, like, I'll be happy. I'll never right. get the half a million or whatever that the other one did. And then it got picked up and just went went crazy and and that was you know November to December and it was just nuts. Right, and and now I, I think it's one of the top like watched TED talks. Um, I know. In in this stunningly short period of time. Right. Yeah. It's feel it. Well, you know, just wasn't really what I was expecting. And I guess the you know the context of that for me was you don't know what it feels like to come out of the closet if you're gay. So here's something it feels like. So it was that very here's how you can relate to me was kind of the origin of that. But then to watch it kind of expand to people, you know, there are conversations that are happening between people about their relatability that has nothing to do with sexuality or anything else that has really been the part that, that has seemed so amazing to, to me is that it's so much bigger than what I had initially kind of set out for it to do. Yeah. So, so kind of like deconstruct what, what the talk was about a bit mm-hmm. for those who haven't, and for those who haven't seen, it, if you haven't seen it, you know, go check it out on Ted. It's an incredible, um, 12 minute sequence. It'll really move you. But you know, to kind of take, take me inside that, that talk, what you felt it was about, what you wanted to communicate and what, like, how that landed. Right. So I, you know, kind of started this in these kind of community supported events of public speaking because I had friends that were having kids and my sister had kids and I was realizing, I was like, these, you know, in certain contexts, like these folks are going to have, get a hard, these kids will have a hard time because somebody will use the word gay in a negative way or, you know, they just, there's not this understanding and this commonality and you grow up in certain circles and, and that's fine. But then you get into a public school system or whatever and you, you know, you don't have people with the same experiences. So that's kind of when I started that was the origin of kind of me starting to talk, but also Boulder is a really progressive place. So to kind of stump speech about marriage equality, like was going to kind of fall on, on the gay choir, for lack of a better word. And so <laughs> we, you know, so kind of putting it together and kind of thinking of that re- relatability and, and, and how it really isn't that different and how we're so, we, you know, we have so much in common and to be able, when you have that those kind of human moments and kind of giving people a break and not having them, you know, nobody has to be politically correct, but if they're genuinely trying, like if you put up your defenses all the time, you miss, miss an opportunity to kind of have the connection. And, and that's, I think, you know, where the societal movement and the change has happened isn't because anybody's passed a law. It's because more people are out and more people know people and it, and it, and it, 
you know, has this kind of normative quality that it didn't necessarily used to have. And it's in, it's in media in ways that we've never seen it before. And, yeah. and that that shift has been so different. And so, you know, the, the point of it was like, here's a couple of stories of times when I was, you know, with experiences that I've had in my life as, you know, being gender nonconforming or kind of coming out as a lesbian or, or what that has been. And when you kind of like take a breath and give people a second and, and you're actually real with them, it really gives you an opportunity to, to have that interpersonal connection. Yeah. And I, and I think, I mean, that's what happened when I saw, you know, that, that it was, um, it, it was you know, one woman and a mic, right. you know, and just telling, largely telling stories and right. telling little vignettes of just real world scenarios like that, you know, like short little moment that you shared about you and the little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you mind just sharing that? Yeah, sure. So I was working at a, a restaurant in, in Boulder at a cafe and, you know, I was going through different phases of, you know, my self-expression. Um, and so shaved head and, you know, cargo shorts and, and whatever. And I would get a question often from little kids that were like, are you a boy or are you a girl? And I would have these really intense reactions to that, whether it was like, at an, you know, it happened in an airport or a mall or, you know, getting challenged going into a restroom. And so I had kind of this anxiety build up around it and it happened enough and I had no response. Yeah. Um, and so then finally, you know, then I was kind of ready to go off on this table at, at one point. And then realized it was just like this four-year-old girl with a question and having kids in my life, you realize kind of the innocence of that question. Like they say things that are just genuinely what they want to know. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have the polished polish kind of, uh, uh, I guess, social PG rating that a lot of right. things have. There's no filter. It's just the questions. <laughs> it's right, like, exactly. Yeah. So then you, you know, then, then I, you know, I'm so enraged by this and had kind of made a promise to myself. Like I had to say something like I couldn't just turn away or, you know, clench my jaw and I had to say something. But then you realize when you're going to have this interaction with this kid, like I couldn't, you know, I had four year olds in my life that I adored and, you know, to kind of challenge them or chastise them yeah. for something they didn't know anything better about didn't make sense. So, you know, we kind of had this interaction and I was like, ah, I can't yell at this kid. So then I was like, Hey, you know, I know it's kind of confusing because it absolutely is. So you kind of acknowledge the reality of that. So I was like, I know it's kind of confusing. You know, I kind of look like a boy, but I'm a girl. And, you know, sometimes, and she, you know, a pink fairy dress, like she was like done up to the, mm-hmm. to the T. And, and so I said, well, you know, if, if you're, um, sometimes you're, you like to wear your fairy princess dress and sometimes you like to wear comfy jammies. Well, you know, I'm more of a comfy jammies kind of girl. And this kid, like, without missing a beat, was like, my favorite pajamas are purple with fish. And then just like moved on and was like, okay, you're a girl. How about my pancake? Right. And it was so, it was it's just like seems, an honest issue. Exactly. Yeah. It seems so monumental to me. And for, for her, it was just a question of like, okay, here's like a little box. And, and so for me, it was this, you know, and, and it was a, it was a four-year-old and obviously it was, you know, kind of contextual, but to kind of sit there and have her have this very real interaction yeah. with me and that it wasn't the issue that I was making it in my head. And then you realize you, you know, you watch and I had been in the same scenario dozens of times and you could just like it was palatable the tension and then to see the whole table you know the mom the dad the brother like everybody just kind of relax was great and like you know who knows what those folks were you know where they stood politically what any of that meant but maybe the next time that happened or maybe the next time this this kid saw someone that didn't look how she thought they were supposed to that it was different you know I, i feel like you can't underestimate the impact that those little interactions yeah i mean i i think we are we're so consumed by propriety you know, it's Absolutely. like, am, am I, so, and, and it's, and, and look, I've, I've caught myself doing the same thing. It's, and it's not about whether someone's gay or not. It's just, oh, it's yeah. like anyone who's different. Yeah. Right. And you're looking at it and you're like, okay, I want to look, but I don't want to look. Right. You know, like somebody who's covered with tattoos from head, like somebody who has a face full of ink, you know, you're yeah. like, what's going on there? It's funny. We were in, um, we, we were in Costa Rica about a month or two ago and, uh, and we went rafting 
And one of the raft guides was this guy who had a full face of really scary looking, like almost like Joker from Batman, like tattoos. And he had all of his, his teeth were replaced with like sharpened chrome teeth. Whoa. And so you want to look and you want to ask, yeah. but we were a little terrified to actually sure. ask what was going on. But, you know, you know, we're so concerned with, well, you know, like, I'm not supposed to look, I'm not supposed to ask, I'm not. And, you know, kids don't have that veil. And right. if you if you can take yourself back there, but I think, you know, I think the concern is more just, um, I don't want to, like, I don't know what the ethic is here. Like, right. uh, like, what's the thing to do when you don't know somebody's a boy or a girl or gay or straight? Like, is it just don't ask? Like, is that the respectful thing to do? Or is it? just be straight up and ask, or is it really, is there no ethic? Is it's just completely like one person is going to be incensed if you ask a question and the other person is going to be like, I'm so glad that you asked that. Right. I, I think you're right. I mean, I think that it is really personal and that you put in any of those kind of categories of folks that, you know, look different than, you know, from our own perspective that look different, like they're going to react in a certain way. And I think that there's like a genuineness to it that, f- that feels really great um, when somebody just wants to have that conversation with you and some folks are open to it and, and some folks aren't. And, and, you know, I think even now there's this, you know, constantly evolving, at least in, you know, my uh, realm is kind of the LGBTQ world, but now it's like LGBTQAI. It feels like, you know, there's, it feels like, yeah, I, like you're like anybody who's different four, in any way. Right, right. yeah. And you want to honor all of those folks that, that do that and have that and are, are, you know, identify in whatever way, like you want everybody to be able to check a box, but, you know, you could be the most progressive person in the world. You could be the, you know, poster child for LGBTQ stuff, which, you know, right now that feels like that's me a little bit. And and I don't know if I know all the right words or all the right phrases, but you kind of go in with, you know, there's there's a difference, I think, especially from an adult perspective of are you a boy or are you a girl or, you know, what pronouns do you prefer? Or, you know, it's right. like I, th- I think if it's so isolating for me personally to not be asked. To not yeah. like have that interaction for people to be so afraid of offending. And, you know, I think 20 years ago, I probably had a totally different perspective. But now I'm like, I would so much rather have somebody have that conversation with me than mm. than than not say anything because they're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, I had um, fairly early in this project, I um, I was sitting down with somebody who uh, uh, had, a, had a, a fairly pronounced lifelong stutter. And we're having a great conversation. She was lovely and smart. But but halfway through, I found myself, I was like, I kept wanting to finish our sentences for her. Sure. I just kept wanting to get her there. And I was like, okay. And literally, I could, like, in my head, I'm sitting there, you know, like, we're filming this thing. And I'm like, do I just hold back? Or, and then I, I was like, thinking myself, I'm like, okay, if I'm feeling this, I guarantee you there are a whole bunch of people who are going to watch this who are wondering the same thing. Like, they all, they're all going to want to jump in also. And so I just, I'm like, look, I, I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but I've got to ask you, like, this is what's happening, you know, and what do I do? <laughs> you know, what's right. the end? And she said to me, she's like, number one, thank you for asking me. Exactly. You know, because now we can just have a conversation about it and you can know, like, how I feel about it. And I can tell you, like, just, you know, this is the answer. And um, it was, it was really freeing. And like, all of a sudden, the sort of like the tension went out of the conversation and we just kind of kept jamming. Totally. Yeah. No, I think that that's having, having that conversation and having kind of the vulnerability to ask of like, you know, I feel bad. I don't know how to react to this. I don't have that experience. I mean, I think when everybody, if you align yourself as like 
politically correct or self-aware embracing yeah. diversity that you are supposed to have all the answers of how everyone wants to be treated or addressed or regarded or anything like that. And, and, you know, I, I don't think on, on my end, you know, there aren't a lot of people that, that actually expect that. Like they, it's just, they just want to have a conversation because we've all been in that same role right. in a different context. Right. You know what I mean? One of the concepts that you brought up in, uh, in your talk was this idea of there is no harder. There is only hard. Right. You know, and I, it was really fascinating. I think my sense is that's one of the things that really resonated with people because that resonated with me because we're all kind of like comparing. It's like, well, well, sure, you have to do that, but I had to endure this. And it's like, really? <laughs> right. And it comes from, I think it comes from both sides. Like there's, you know, you, you want to, you want to relate to somebody. I mean, I think we all just as beings that exist want to have that relatability. But when you, you go, you know, you kind of downplay somebody who hasn't had it as hard as you've had it. Or if you're trying to relate to somebody on whatever it might be and, and, you know, you say, you know, I say, well, you know, it was really hard when I told my parents when I came out of the closet and your response is, you know, it was really hard when I had to break up with my ex-girlfriend. I think you kind of like lessen your own struggle because it isn't on this like basis of relatability of like the somatic feeling. It's like, well, that obviously, how can you possibly compare that to this? But, but I think if we come from a different perspective of, you know, it's the same on a very basic level. It's like, if you, you know, I don't, you you know, you, you might not ever know what it's like to love someone of the same sex in a romantic way, but you know what it's like to be in love. And I know what it's like to be in love. And so that like feeling that you have in your gut when you're scared or when you're in love or when you have your heart broken or when you're nervous about something like that's the same. And regardless of of what source that is, like that's something that we can relate. It's one of the reasons that I love um, climbing, you know, rock climbing. Yeah. We, we were talking about that earlier. That you can, you know, if if we're there and we're in a gym or we're climbing up a mountain, it's really hard for me. And that doesn't matter if it's a five seven and you're climbing a five fourteen. Like I'm doing the best I can and I am scared to death. And what it feels like to not know if you can hang on to that yeah. doesn't really matter because we can relate to that. Like oh my god, that's 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 really hard. And there's kind of this acknowledgement afterwards of like, I, I felt what you were feeling, even though we were doing completely different things. And I feel like that's something that people can really relate to. Yeah. And, and I think we live in a world where we kind of like, we spend so much time judging how we're doing in relation to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's great research around this also. And there is, um, I'm trying to remember what the research was exactly, but in terms of like income, like, you know, like if somebody was, I remember a study where somebody said, you know, like you can either make $100,000 a year, but be making, uh, you know, $50,000 less than everybody else around you, you know, or you right. can make like uh, 75 a year, but be making 25 more than everyone else around. People would take less money to make more. as long as they were making more than the people around wow. them. And we yeah. like, we're so dialed into measuring how we're succeeding in life by how we're succeeding in comparison to people around us rather mm-hmm. than just absolute, like looking in a little bit and saying, yeah. okay, how, you know, how's this making me feel? Like, am I okay? Exactly. And I think that that, I think, you know, the more that I've talked to people and, and have had folks that have had, you know, that their closet has been something different than mine, but they kind of know what that feels like, that there's this, you know, this relatability of once you realize that whatever you've been hiding or whatever, you know, there's something different about all of us and something that we're insecure about or whatever that might be. And when you kind of look 
internally and know what that is, it makes you incredibly empathetic mm. about what other people's struggles are. Like you kind of have less of this like, well, just grip, pick yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. You have this like, God, I, I can I can relate to w- w- what that struggle is. And sure, it's not my struggle and I've had struggles, but w- what's important is not if my struggles were harder, like how can you, how can you possibly minimize someone else's heart like yeah. you know it's so relative and, and I think that that's the easiest way to kind of create this culture that is embracing diversity and, and, and is open and, and celebrating it is to kind of look at those differences ourselves and then it makes you uh, I guess a, a lot it makes you more empathetic towards what anybody else is is going through and I think you know that's kind of what what we're shooting for yeah I mean, I mean there's no doubt empathy is um <laughs> empathy is powerful on so levels I mean but one of my Curiosities is always, you know, like, can you train empathy? You know, some people just touch down and they, they weep at home or commercials. You know, they, and to a certain extent, that's me, actually. Sure. You know, like, I'm kind of dialed into other people's emotions, sometimes mm-hmm. on, on a level that's not great. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, if you don't have that, you know, it, is that, A, is, is that a bad thing if you walk through life oblivious to, like, other people's experiences um, and interactions? And... Um, and, and can you actually train that? Like, are there things that you can do? It's kind of a curiosity of mine because, yeah. um, you know, just in terms of making you sort of like allowing you to flourish in, in so many different parts of life and business, mm-hmm. just in interpersonal relationships and stuff like that. Right. I don't know if you can train it. I mean, I think it takes some introspection. And if you're right. willing to do that, you can kind of see this relatability and you see that your commonalities are, you know, that we're, we're way more defined by what we have in common than, than what we have different just as a society. And, and if, if that's something that you're willing to accept as a concept, which is just like biologically factual, I, I think that then you can, you can learn that to some extent. And I think, I mean, I think you can go through life and, and not be empathetic, but I think it's really lonely. Yeah, no, you I know? totally agree. I mean, I think that's just a, you're not truly in, engaging or, inter, or interacting with the world if you, if you don't have that empathy. And, and I think empathy breeds empathy. Like the more empathetic you are, the more understanding you are, the more you try to see other people's perspective. I mean, I think from a business perspective, if you're not willing to see diversity as a positive, then I think you're kind of taking yourself out of the market. I mean, it's a competitive disadvantage. Absolutely. And if you're not, if you're not willing to, in some way, try and stand in the shoes of the person you're seeking to serve. Exactly. And you're busted, you know, then you're just like, if you happen to hit, like be offer something that, you know, like matches up with them, then it's kind of dumb luck. Right. Um, Rather than, no, let me actually see if I can really get, you know, like what's this person feeling? What's their life like? Where's, what's their pain? What are the delights that they're looking at? You know, Mm -hmm. all these things. Um, I mean, I think it's a huge asset to a certain extent. It just kind of popped into my head. I wonder if empathy, if you're someone who doesn't have a ton of it, is less trainable and more like. But there can be moments in a person's life, like occasions, or just like where boom, you snap. I remember um, somebody who uh, I met along the way um, ended up uh, an addict and ended up passing away. And uh, you know, for years, you would never know if um, you know he was on the street, if he was what was going on, and and. Before I knew who he was, knew he was actually a lovely guy, um, you know, it's entirely possible that I would have stepped over him and, like, looked sure. down and been, like, junkie. Right. You know, and then, I, you know, when I actually found out, like, his story, you know, like, there was something horrific that happened to this guy right. when he was a kid, and the demons just never left mm-hmm. because of that. And anybody who went through what this person went through would have had 
a really, really difficult time being in life from that day forward. Absolutely. You know, and when like, and now all of a sudden you're like, oh, there but for God's grace go I. Right. You know, it's, it's like, who am I to judge this person? All of a sudden, like, you're like, okay, if you can, if something happens that kind of like awakens you to the notion that that could be me. And you got to know this guy yeah. on whatever level. And then I feel like not only do you look at him, but then you look at other people that you would have put in that category. And yeah, you're like, totally. well, maybe there's a story. And that we all have, like, we all come from a place and there's some reasons. And some of us have made bad choices and, you know, whatever that, you know, life just comes the way that it does. But I feel like, I mean, I know there's, um, you know, like with regard to the immigration debate and wherever people kind of lie on that, you know, I've worked in a bunch of restaurants and, I know folks that are some of my closest friends who can't see their families because they mm. can't go home if because they can't come back yeah. and they can't work. And so at that point you get there's this very like guttural feeling of right and wrong and you're just like I no one can ever convince me that that's okay. Like mm. however we need to change it whatever we need to do like this is just fundamentally on a basic human rights level wrong. And 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 that will never and the same thing, you know, and from a pretty conservative Catholic driven culture, these are folks that knew me who who had never really had a ton of exposure to same sex relationships and now would be the first people to march in a pride parade because it's personal. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when we make those personal connections, you know, whatever it was with your friend that kind of you know, made that interaction happen, is those are your like you're saying those turning points where something clicks in your brain right. where you're like, Oh, wait a second, it's not it's not us and them like there's this very clear relationship that like it's really not that different yeah like you were saying no and i totally agree i think it's like you know when you when you you take the step from moving away from looking at like a class of people right and the assumption you make them to like okay just take one person Mm -hmm. in that group who you've labeled you know like whether you know like illegal immigrants or whatever like the politically correct name is for you know people who are in this country without documentation now to know you want, like understanding their life and their decisions mm-hmm. and their, you know, it's like you, you draw very different conclusions regardless of what the law says. Like when you actually start to interact on an individual human to human level, um, you know, just everything changes. Um, but I think we're so terrified of doing that. And again, I think it almost circles back to what we were talking about when we started the conversation, which is we're so freaked out about propriety. We're so freaked about, about, you know, screwing with the social norms mm-hmm. in conversation. What are we supposed to do? What are we not supposed to do? And, um, and I think being judged for getting it wrong. Absolutely. And that we, you know, and that we've all been in, in a class, in a, in a category of people that has been judged and the label doesn't fit for whatever reason. And, and that you know what it feels like to be labeled a New Yorker and whatever that means to people in the Midwest or, or, or whatever some of these things were evil. And <laughs> exactly. And, you know, in, impersonal and, and you think of yeah. New York City, you don't think of, you know, trees outside and sidewalks and, you know, like I, it just, you, we all have from our own experience, whatever that experience might've been that we have these kind of preconceived notions of, of what that is like. And so we've all been judged, but hmm. it's hard to kind of make that flip to see we do it the same way, especially I feel like so many people, that align themselves, you know, on, on the left-ish side, or, you know, I guess on either side of the spectrum, this is what it means to be this. Like, if you don't, if you're not up to date on, you know, the policy positions politically of your side of the aisle, then you're not a true Democrat. You're not a true progressive. You're not a true Republican. You know, like, there are all these different 
different things of what it, and it like takes all the individuality out of it. And that we're, you know, it's, it's at least in the LGBTQ community, like you're not an advocate if you're not willing to, you know, work for pennies for a nonprofit Hmm. when you've got folks that are, you know, that are, can be allies in such a great way. And it's, it reminded me when we were talking earlier, if you're going to have somebody that's an ally for, for any group, like it's a lot easier to stand up for what's right than to stand up for what's good for me. You know, like Mm. if, if you're in an environment, a work environment, or you're in a social environment at school and, and, and people, you know, are, are using the word gay in a negative way, or they're, you know, they say faggot or, or, you know, there's not, and the workplace discrimination is existing. Like if you as a straight guy stand up for me, because whatever act was happening is just wrong, that's going to get a lot farther. A, if I'm going to do it, I need to, I'm outing myself by doing it. Mm -hmm. And if I do do that, then it seems kind of self-serving and kind of stump speechy. Yeah, that's interesting. Right. Where there's this kind of, we, you know, so I, I think that that empathy breeds more change because you're just standing up for what's fundamentally right, not what's going to serve my class or my unrecognized group. I mean, I think it, it carries more weight that way. Yeah. I, and it, I mean, you know, so I'm a dad also. And when I think about things like this, I think about my daughter and sure. I think about, you know, would she stand up? Yeah. You know, and, you know, middle school kid, there's a lot of pressure to conform. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like all you want to do when you're that age is you just, you want to be accepted by other people. Yeah. You know, so if you see other stuff going on, it's like, do you, would you have the fortitude as a kid or even as an adult, but I think especially sort of like as a middle school, high school age kid, you know, to, to be the one who steps up and says, that's not right. Right. You know, and like, what, is it, what does it take yeah. to do that because you know that that because in, in a sense on the one hand you're like yeah i feel good because i'm i'm standing up i'm doing the right thing but on the other hand like the you know there's that voice in the back of your head which says well but if this person's being attacked and i stand up for them then maybe i get labeled as them too absolutely and i become part of like the attacked class as it well is, yeah it's a total social risk and i think that the important thing and and, and what people are trying to teach i think middle school students and and then also you know beyond that is like it doesn't you know, you don't have to jump in, jump in front of a thrown fist to be an ally, to be an advocate, to be a supporter, to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's almost, I mean, there's, there's different ways to do it and, and there's different ways to ensure your own safety. And I think, you know, social survival is critical when you're 13 years old. At the same time, you know, you know, a, a smile in the hallway to a kid that feels like nobody sees them mm-hmm. Is, is fundamental. So I think that there's, and then, you know, that interaction is, is critical. Having a conversation with the teacher that something happened, like you don't have to be a martyr to make a difference. I think that you see when there's something that's unjust and you do, you know, what you can and no more than you can, whatever, however that is limited, but everything, you know, no less than you can do at the same time, I think makes a right. tremendous difference. And, you know, I would think that, you know, middle schoolers and high schoolers are kind of being taught this is to be a upstander, not a bystander is kind of this concept of like, mm, there's yeah. different ways to, to help and support and, and make sure the right thing happens. And it doesn't have to be in this very dramatic, you have to have the perfect words and make this, you know, very after school special stand. That's yeah. right. That there's other ways to do it too.
Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at BlueNile.com and remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Good Life Project is brought to you by LinkedIn Ads. So have you ever felt the challenge of reaching a key decision maker in the B2B world? Imagine connecting with a billion professionals, including 180 million senior executives and 10 million C-level leaders. Well, LinkedIn Ads provides precision targeting and measurement tools tailored for B2B marketers, outperforming other platforms with two to five times higher ROAS in technology. Plus, 79% of B2B content marketers vouch for LinkedIn Ads' exceptional pay media results. What sets LinkedIn ads apart is their understanding of the complex B2B landscape. They have built a platform to support you through intricate decision-making processes. I've actually tapped the power of LinkedIn ads a number of times to help grow our work-focused venture, Spark Endeavors, and I've been seriously impressed by the performance. So if you're ready to elevate your B2B marketing, try LinkedIn ads. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goodlifeproject or just click the link in the show notes. Terms and conditions apply. Good Life Project is supported by Dell. So seasons change. So why not your tech? Upgrade now during the Dell Technologies Summer Sale Event and save on select PCs like the XPS 16 powered by Intel Core processors. You'll be able to bring your most intensive project to life with built-in AI, minimalistic design, immersive visuals, and cinematic audio. Plus, complete your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop at dell.com deals, you'll have access to exceptional tech and electronics, plus free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at dell.com slash deals. That's dell.com slash deals or just click the link in the show notes. Good Life Project is sponsored by Lexus GX. So have you ever owned something that inspired you to just up your game? For me, it was this high-end mountain bike. I love the ultralight frame, the suspension, the precision gearing, and I realized it deserved to be ridden to its full potential. So I started training harder so I could experience the joy it could give back to me. And it paid off. That bike helped me discover just new levels of performance and straight up joy. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Imagine tackling rugged landscapes with the available 33-inch all-terrain tires and multi-terrain select, then unwinding with the available front-row massaging seats. This is a vehicle that inspires you to go further to live up to its full potential. So why settle? Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. My guest today is Ash Beckham. We're talking about the closets that we hide in and how to step out of them. So you mentioned that at, at um at one point you had I think you described it as your militant phase. Yeah. 
what kind of pushed you to to sort of like engaging on that level? And then what what pulled you out of that phase? Well, I think when you you know as we, any of us you know go through changes, and I was in my you know or you know late teens, early twenties, when you kind of like figure out who you are, and, and people do it at different different times, and and I did, and 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 it was just very conscious kind of rebellion against social norms of femininity and that it was okay. You know, I mean, I feel like I, I grew up and, you know, my, my parents were and are progressive, but I grew up in a small suburb in, in Toledo, Ohio. And it was, a, you know, great school system, great everything, but it was very, you know, very Mid- white. Midwest very conservative. Yeah, yeah exactly. Norms, yeah. And, and great. And, you know, we were lucky. My, my parents traveled around a lot, but there just wasn't kind of this, uh, there wasn't a lot of, of difference that was, that was happening. And so there was just the way that it, it was. And, and, and I think going, you know, going to college, you kind of see things that are different and see things that you can relate to that feel more you and, and, and you see other role models and, and other things that kind of happen and it just changes your perspective of who you are. And then once you kind of settle on what that is, um, I think when you feel like you've, uh, my experience would be that when you feel like you've kind of upheld these social constructs for so long and, and you get to the point where you can kind of turn around and give it the bird and like do your own thing. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, and, and New York's a great place for that. You know, it's like the first time I saw a woman with a shaved head and people with tattoos and like all this great stuff. I loved it. And you like couldn't get enough of that. So I feel like once you kind of stand on your own two feet and you're like, this is who I am. I don't really care if you like it. I'm done caring if people like it or not, you know? And, and, and I think people, and I think that that experience is similar in whatever way that it happens for anyone, regardless of gender, sexual orientation, whatever that might be, when you like figure out who you are and you will stand by that no matter what, I, I think that that's incredibly empowering. So then you kind of, for me, you know, you, you get this kind of like, well, what are you staring? Like you're, you're ready to kind of have some conflict about it. And and that, you know, was a, a a phase I feel like that I went to that was, was part of, I think, feeling scared or fearful or, um, kind of, uh, paralyzed by whatever the social constructs were that once I finally figured that out, I was ready to kind of challenge people and, and I guess stop feeling like if somebody was going to judge me, very obviously I was going to confront them about that because I thought, you know, my experience was that people when challenged really don't have much to say. Mm. So I, you know, I, I did that, did that for a while and it was, you know, incredibly liberating and incredibly empowering for me for a really long time, but it gets, um, you get kind of mean and, and, and gritty. And I just like, wasn't right. the person that I wanted to be. Cause I felt like I was always looking for the next. Right. And that's fight. what I was going to ask. It's like, then you, it's like you get into a mode where you're just now, instead of being ready to respond aggressively, now you're, you're like, you start looking for it and then you start living to look for it. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's and, the which whole thing. You know, on one point you, know, you want strong advocates for, for something, but at the other hand, it's like, you, know, you think about the way you're just personally living your life and like, mm-hmm. you know, experiencing every single day and you wake up and it's like every day is a fight. Mm-hmm. You know, or or like you know, it's like every day, you know, like the cortisol levels are ramped, and you're like you're just, it's just over time. It's like that can't be an easy way to live, just on a personal survival level. Absolutely, I th- I think so too. And, and then you, you know, you don't. I I feel like you you don't really give people a chance, and that's the whole. Mm. You know, that's you you you're kind of be- becoming your oppressor to some extent. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you 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 fight so long to have people stop judging you and then you, you get in that 
kind of high amped mode of everyone's after me or everyone has an opinion of how short my hair is or what clothes I wear or what section of the department store I shop in. And you, and you get that and you, you miss, and there aren't that many people that are that judgmental actually, like depending on your context and and probably regionally, but there are a lot of people that just probably think you're great. You just got to give them a chance to actually have that real interaction. So you, you end up doing to other people is like, if you judge them first, then there's no way they're going to judge you. Like right. you've insulated yourself from, from that. And it just is a terrible way to go. I mean, in the TED talk, like I would go up to tables and just like, anytime I would see a kid between like two and 10, I was like ready to do to have this like gender mm. battle and it wouldn't happen all the time. But energetically, the way that I came off to the people who were just absolutely fine and had nothing to say about it was just not the person I wanted to be. I remember being in a restaurant with a friend of mine um, and somebody, and I, I, you know, went to the bathroom. We had dressed up for somebody's birthday. And so I was in like a button down and shirt and pants and went to the bathroom, came out. And there's this woman who was probably like 85. And she had said, uh, you know, you're in the wrong bathroom. And I was like, no, I, you know, it was like jovial kind of in the beginning. And then kind of like, and, and she, you know, pushed and, and whatever. Um, and I like turned and kind of snapped at this woman who was just lovely old grandmother. I mean, who obviously didn't see me as a woman, but it didn't matter. But the, what mattered not really was this woman's reaction, but to see the look on my friend's face, mm. to see me turn like that and that she had never, ever seen me mm. talk to someone like that. And in my head, like I had come up with these retorts. Right. That I kind of had you this like arsenal of comebacks because you're in this situation over and over again. And, you know, I was kind of like, you know, in, in this very weird way, it's so funny to say it in retrospect, but in that, you know, I was like proud of myself, like, okay, in that very stressful situation, I like the right words came out of my mouth and then, and then looked at one of my best friends and it was just this like look of just, I don't know if it was like horror or disappointment or just like mm. being caught off guard to be like, I've never heard you, like, you're not my friend the way that I think you have never heard you talk to anybody like that. Like what, what, what made you, was it really that big of a deal? And, and I, then, then you kind of think of like how you exist in the world. It becomes very less, it's less about how, um, you know, it isn't survival. It's, you know, nine or 85 year old woman at an Italian restaurant. Like I'm really terrible. What's going to happen? <laughs> well, she was like a badass ninja. Who was just exactly. Like, totally. And then she's like, know, she was like hit me with her purse if I was in the bathroom or something. But I feel like you have this, you know, you have these very real interactions with those folks and, and that it, it was, you know, was that the hill to die on was like with the 85 year old woman, but also in my defense, like when that stuff happens over and over and over and over yeah. again, and you're, you know, you're minding your own business and you're having, and you, and you feel challenged in that way it becomes frustrating. So then I guess I started to, my comebacks became less like biting and more, you know, vulnerable and, and kind of having a, hmm. having a more realistic conversation and, and, and relating to people. And I think that only comes for me, it was after the phase of like figuring out who I am and being okay with it and not really having to rub anybody's nose in it. And, yeah. You know, and, and again, there's, there's no right way to do it. Like, it just, it's my way and kind of, I mean, I feel like that's a lot of times how people relate. It's like, this is how I get through life and here are the mistakes that I made. And this is when I was a total jerk <laughs> and I try to not. We've all been there and we'll be there again. <laughs> and you're like, I go through it's my like life now, human, like yeah. not trying to be a jerk, you know, right. you like want to have those like little connections with people feel so much better than like, I said the right thing like no. that. You know what I mean? No, it, it's amazing. It's like when, um, 
when I can go through, it's funny, I heard somebody the other day who's um, a pretty strong activist and is not afraid to get into big fights with really big companies and people. And she, she said something like, um, love your enemies, it'll drive them nuts. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and, uh, I don't want to say it is because I don't know if I'm clear to yeah, actually no, no, like, no, no, name great, that person. But, I love um, that. Like that. I mean, it's really interesting when, when you do that. And, and But the, you know, the flip side is it's just... You know, when you can go through life, you know, and you wake up in the morning and you're actually like, instead of actively looking for an opportunity to pounce, you actively look for an opportunity to elevate, to like, to make people feel good, Mm -hmm. like to just allow, like, say something, you know, to engage in a way that allows you to feel good about what you're doing and the other person to feel okay about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's like all of a sudden, like you, you find yourself being pulled like through the day just looking for these, these these ways to light people up. Yeah, um, absolutely. And really, but I think it really goes back to what you were saying, which is like, it's really hard to get to that place until you do the work to kind of get some baseline on who you are. Right. So, and like not who you're supposed to be or, yeah. you know, by any definition, whether it was like by my suburban upbringing education or, you know, the, the social constructs of where I grew up or, you know, this kind of like very, you know, extreme feminist culture. Like I wasn't really either of those extremes, but there's something in the middle. And throughout that whole thing, like I'm still me that, you know, it was kind of part of my explanation was kind of with my parents and, you know, and what, what, how they explained to their parents or, you know, their friends and, and stuff like that. And I was like, I mean, it's still me. Like I would hope that they wouldn't think differently because of me, because I'm gay, I would hope that they would think differently of gay people because now they know one and it's that kind of, like, I'm still the kid that plays softball with their kids. I'm still the kid who, you know, whose who's parents let him use the convertible to drive to prom. Like, mm-hmm. where, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm still that same kid. It's just this one little thing that's different about me. So, yeah, I think it's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, and, and I think we're also, I mean, we're also wired to belong that, um, you know, and, and in a way you know, that's great because it gives us so much support and, and all sorts of other things that really nourish us. But at the same time, you know, if it keeps pulling us to want to, okay, I need to conform to belong, conform to belong, conform to belong. Mm-hmm. And so if you're somebody who hasn't really started to get a beat on who, you know, what is the essential me? Like, what am I really all about? You know, that your desire to conform just keeps you from even having like wanting to do that work because you're like, well, what if it tells me that I don't fit in with this group that I've been, you know, like rocking for X number of days, months, years, or maybe my whole life. Now what? You know, that's terrifying. So I think a lot of people don't go there just because, you know, it's like coming out of the closet, whether it's gay, straight, you know, like business, whatever it may be, whatever your thing is. You know, I wonder if a lot of people don't do that simply because they know that the moment they do, they'll be removed from, you know, that sense of belonging in the group that has sort of like given them a, a fair level of nourishment for a long period of time. It's like, and we have to belong. So then, you know, do you find the next group, which is close enough to who you really are to like, okay, I can get it there. Or do you just stick a flag in the ground and say, this is me, this is who I am. This is what I believe in. Anybody else who wants to fly a similar flag, come. Right. You know, and both can be pretty scary. Totally. No, I I agree. And I think that that a a lot of the experience that people have in that context is if that group that's nourished you and and that you've been with for a really long time is, is genuine, like they actually want you to be you. And if they don't, then they're not really as supportive as you 
have, you know, they've been more uh, a crutch than a legitimate support. I mean, I no. think that that's part of it. Then I think you also get into a dynamic where you've got, um, you know, it, you know, you put your flag down. You're like, yeah, if anybody wants to fly a similar flag. And then there's also kind of the relatability within another group of like, I just want you to fly your own flag. I don't care mm. what it looks like. I, no. You know, I don't, it doesn't really matter to me, but I'm, you know, staking claim to people who want to be authentic or genuine or whatever that might be. I mean, in, in any, there's, you know, so many different ways, whether it's in places that are, I think, supposed to be incredibly accepting or, you know, put themselves out culturally to be incredibly accepting. So, you know, the LGBTQ community has forever, you know, had a challenge of accepting fully accepting trans folks into the community so you're you know you i think that that's part of it and even something like a yoga community like if you're going to be a yogi you sign up to be these five things and mm. you're like actually that's not the case like you can yeah. still be part of this group right. and not fit those fit those formats perfectly not totally it was interesting when um back in my yoga days when we were in the studio at some point we um we tested a few franchises actually so so uh we had a franchise that opened in um, in Salt Lake City, okay. which was really interesting. And this was, I don't know, 10 years ago or something like that. So yoga wasn't like it is all sure. over the place now. And um, like while that facility was being built, you know, some of the local elders came and they're like, uh-uh, like this really? is not happening here. This is you know, like derived from, you know, like Hindu oh. faith, like, you know, like multi-gods and all of this stuff. And they're like, this is not acceptable. You know, you can't do that here. Wow. And so it was it was really interesting dealing with that, you know, because it's like, well, how do you how do you approach this? Yeah. You know, and you're and you're talking about people who are who are very like like almost any form of orthodoxy in, in faith Absolutely. is dug in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like and that's part of the reason that you go towards the orthodox side of any faith is that there's there is a very clear cut set of rules that mm-hmm. you live and die by, and you like it that way because it removes uncertainty and ambiguity, yeah. and it gives you comfort, and mm-hmm. it gives you community, and it gives you comfort. You know what to do when you wake up. You know who you're going to do it with. Mm-hmm. You know, so somebody comes in and rocks it, and there there's no real process for handling, you know, like a, something that just doesn't fit that mold because right. it's either you're in or you're out. You know, like rather than like well. You're not in, but you're cool. Right. You know, it's like, where's the guideline for that conversation? Yes, exactly. Oh, that's brilliant. I've never, I never thought about that. And I, I think I've just been to um, uh, Salt Lake City a few times in different parts of Utah. And, you you know, best way to find a coffee shop is to walk in a bar because like all the <laughs> right. non-believers hang out together. But, you know, so, but there's this very much this like counterculture of you don't belong mm. and you are defined by the fact that you don't belong nah. but to get into a better space of like you don't belong but we can coexist i think it's just a fascinating concept did you end up opening the studio then? yeah yeah i mean we we had somebody who was who's born and bred out there yeah um who, who basically came to new york trained with us for a couple of years and then she went back and she ran it and um and then she turned it into her own um big flourishing studio wow and um the early days were bumpy oh. <laughs> um 
But yeah, and, does she and, know what like ma- like, or do you guys know what made? I, like, par- I don't. Message? I think part of it is that she was a local, so that she came up, you know, in a culture of Salt Lake City. She understood the different dynamics that were at work, and okay. so she, maybe she could probably navigate them a little bit more. And she probably had a little more local cred because yeah, she like wasn't that. like you know, like New Yorkers coming in mm-hmm. trying to bring like the that vibe plus, yeah, you know the uh, you know the, <laughs> the whole Hindu background and the overlay with this and. And um, and I think also it, yoga took off so quickly that a lot of people started to realize that this is not this is not a funky religion. Right. That actually, yes, you know, like way back when there there are practices that derive from faith based practices, mm-hmm. but fundamentally it's just it's a philosophy of living well, living right. connected, living compassionately, and taking care of your health along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as that became just popularized really rapidly, right right around that same time, it kind of allowed for more forgiveness but um you know it's it's, it's just fascinating how people respond in those dynamics yeah. and, and who digs in and who doesn't and how <laughs> bring it to a much bigger scale you know like what's happening with the current pope right you know like you had the pope for generations before and then all of a sudden you're like one person touches down and says who am i to judge like one person right you know and all of a sudden the world is rocked you know uh-huh. and whether you agree with him or not it's like you know, he can't change the gospel, but he's changing the way that, that people experience it, move to it, and move Absolutely. away from it. And saying, okay, this is my belief system, but why does that mean that I can't, you know, like value human beings that, you know, in, in some way aren't valued maybe by this particular belief system? It's really, it's, it's a tough argument. Yeah. But to see somebody, you know, on that level stand up and say, look, <laughs> who am I? And the fundamental, I mean, I, I would you know, on a bigger scale, but the same way that you can line up the tenets of yoga with the tenets of Mormonism and you can line up the, you know, the tenets of what the Pope is saying. Like they, they are, there's a lot of overlap. (laughs) Exactly. You gain a sense of believers in belonging by creating non-believers. Like you, you Mm. have, there has to be that dynamic. There isn't this, you know, especially in, in, you know, Orthodox religions, like you, you have to have an us in them. It's, Right. That's part of the tenets of the belief system. And when you have somebody that can come in and be like, actually, you know, it's, we are the, so much more similar. Like, let's not draw that line in the sand so distinctly, but let there be gray. And, and, and to, no. you know, say to, to, you know, anyone, let alone like a world of Catholics, that there is no gray. <laughs> like, mm. there's no such thing as, as gray, but that there's just a different way to look at it. And it kind of depends on, you know, where you're coming from, like where, where your, where your perspective is coming from. And you can see it a million different ways and that there's a different way to see it, I think has been, you know, incredibly enlightening across the board. And, you know, to think that that was a, a, a somebody that came from not kind of the, you know, Western European realm of Catholicism, but you have a guy that's coming from South America, I think. Right, and, yeah. and to have that, difference in perspective I think is just fascinating and then the, the ripple down of that and you're like you can't fire the Pope so right. you got him for a while <laughs> you know? yeah and just to see how that affects people um, leaders within that same line of faith and then you know like believers mm-hmm. you know like the people who are going to like congregation on a local level all the time it's like you know, so it, it starts this dynamic of, you know, like challenge within the faith itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, who do we listen to? <laughs> right. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, but I, what, what I think is so important that arises out of it, no matter how you feel about, um, you know, like what he said recently sure. is that 
it it brings a conversation more alive and it makes it you know so it's like okay let's just keep having this conversation but maybe on an elevated level now mm-hmm. um and so so i think uh, you know the net effect is all good no matter what the outcome is just continuing to have conversations around respect for humanity especially in the context of of faith is is powerful mm-hmm. and that there are those different perspectives and and you know that i feel like even in the hierarchical you know in a business model of like one what one person at the top can do with a trickle down of of changing the perspective or societal responsibility or whatever that would be for an organization i think applies but he had the same that his belief system didn't just flip when he you know yeah. moved into the vatican like that's been his belief system the entire way so i would think that you know everybody that trickle down has been going on for for years and mm. so i think it's you know inspiring for people that are that one person can make that kind of difference it really really you know and, and obviously a, a very unique situation there but i think it could be modeled in in so many different organizational structures of some person sticking by what they believe in and and it isn't this you know kind of like finger wagging we've been doing it wrong for all these years it's just like well what about this way you know it's not mm-hmm. negating those right. other things but it's like but if, what if you looked at, you know, from around the corner, what does it look like? You're looking at the same thing, but it, it really allows that kind of fresh perspective and, and the change that that can make in, the, in, in making space for everybody and making space for more people. This story is presented by Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA produced by ACAST Creative. 25 years ago, Invesco QQQ rethought the investing landscape by providing access to the NASDAQ's 100 most innovative companies all in one ETF. With Invesco QQQ, investors saw all the possibilities that innovation could deliver. Personally, I had a wake-up call in my 30s that led me to invest deeply in myself to unlock new possibilities. I walked away from a career as a lawyer, overhauled my lifestyle through mindset and exercise and nutrition, and completely reimagined my career. And it was unsettling at times, but that investment in my potential allowed me to live so much more creatively and with purpose and passion. Invesco is proud to sponsor the new Ways to Win podcast, hosted by longtime coaches and mentors Craig Robinson and John Calipari. So in Ways to Win, the coaches use their on-court wisdom to solve for off-court problems and help you find a winning formula for success. In this clip from the show, we'll hear Craig share his advice for weighing a decision to switch from investment banking to full-time coaching. Let's take a listen. The advice that I would give somebody who's weighing a decision that is less risky or more risky, I always tell them to work back from what they're wanting to accomplish right? What the reward is, what's at the end and work back and try and set yourself up to get to where you want to get to. Because sometimes taking a risk is the right thing to do to get something that you want. And what I try and counsel people to do is not be afraid to take risks. Because if you set yourself up properly with a good education, a great network of friends, and you've got family behind you, you can usually weather most storms if things don't work out the way you thought they'd work out. So listen to Ways to Win wherever you get your podcasts to get more wisdom from Craig. Nobody knows what's ahead, but one thing's for certain. You can access tomorrow's innovation today with Invesco QQQ ETF. Let's rethink possibility. So thank you for listening to this special story brought to you in partnership with Invesco QQQ and produced by ACAST Creative. 
There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs' risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more defined investments. The NASDAQ 100 index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Investco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Investco is not affiliated with Acast Creative. Investco Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So since your um, TED Talk exploded and you became a, you know, a global rock star, globetrotting, speaking all over the place now, what were some of the big surprises that came out of that moment in time for you? I mean, I think the I, I was surprised at how many people resonated and, and how different those perspectives were and how open and vulnerable people were willing to be kind of after that with what their challenges were mm. uh, and that, that people, you know, and, and I think that the, you know, it kind of has that, uh, you know, drop of water ripple effect of when you live more authentically or if you live out of your closet, then it's more, you inspire the people to do the same and, and that none of us are here to kind of open anybody else's door. But we, you know, when you kind of come out of yours, it, it has an effect on other and people that you, you might not even, you might not even know. So, I mean, I think that, you know, that was, that was part of it. Um, you know, it's interesting too, is that you, know, you weren't, your conversation, you know, you weren't saying to people, I mean, at least it, it didn't, I didn't feel like you were saying like, you have to come out no. now, whatever it is that you're coming out of, like you have to come out now. You're just kind of like, this is a reality. And you weren't selling, it's going to be great. It's going to be easy. It's going to be the people accept it. You were selling hard is hard. Mm -hmm. Like this is going to be whatever it is, mm -hmm. it's going to be hard. Right. You and know, and, right. and like, so in theory, that should have sent people running for the hills. <laughs> right. It seems like they did the exact opposite. It just inspired mass action, you know, around these concepts. And I think that you, I think that even though it's hard, it's better than what you're doing right now. It's yeah. better than those like yeah. cortisol filled days of being stressed out or not wanting to be found out or worried about having a conversation or, or whatever that is, is that no matter how hard it is, it's better than not being yourself or not being authentic or, or kind of hiding who you really are. Cause that's never going to change. And it's just going to get progressively w worse and harder. And you know, what kind of, life do you want to live? And, and again, I would never, I mean, there is a time and a place for, for everybody, but as much of the conversation is what are my closets? 
you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that, the, you know, you just that even that beginning, that kind of self introspection right. is a movement in, in the right direction. And it starts that very basic level of relatability. And I, I think that that's, you know, that's something that just kind of, you know, and it has very little to do, you know, it's, it's way beyond me now. I mean, that's just people being real with, with each other or with people at work or kind of having those conversations. And I think we are living in a better place when, when people can be themselves, you know, and, and any part, you know, any part of that, that, that I am involved with, I, you know, I feel lucky to kind of start that conversation, but now it's kind of has its own head of steam. <laughs> it does. So tell me about the head of steam. I mean, where's since, cause really, you know, we're having this conversation in, uh, towards the end of May in 2014. So it's mm-hmm. a good nine months or something afterwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is, um, what does life look like for you these days and, and sort of how's it changed? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good. It's super fun. I've a lot of colleges, um, and now I'm starting to do it's a um, lot of speaking, mm-hmm, a lot of speaking right. mostly, you know, I haven't done the, you know, I think blogging would probably something that would, that would make sense. Um, haven't, you know, done, uh, media stuff a, a little bit here. I'm one of the I mean, I guess you're one of the guys that invited me to come talk mm-hmm. to you. So I feel super lucky about that. You know, so it's traveling around and, and going to a lot of places, you know, I, I kind of figured there'd be, you know, I'd be getting calls from San Francisco and New York and, you know, these incredibly progressive places that kind right. of wanted that battle cry. And, and that's not where it's happening. It's, you know, High Point, North Carolina and huh. Fort Wayne, Indiana. And what's, so what's that about? I think that you, you have, I think that that's where the battle's happening right yeah, now. Like I guess for so. LGBTQ issues, like you, it's so amazing. So I went to High Point, North Carolina, um, this great private school, super sweet kids. Um, and you, and so I just did a little bit of research and I was looking at North Carolina and over the past 10 years, the surveys that they were doing on, um, same sex marriage have pretty much stayed the same. They've gone from like, you know, mid thirties to upper thirties to forties, maybe in 10 years. But if you look at same sex partner benefits, adoption rights, um, you know, uh, you know, hospital visitation, things that are just like fundamental issues mm. that's going from 30% to over 60%. Mm. So you're going, you know, like you're a third to two thirds. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's kind of the basis. And so that, you know, there, Oklahoma places that I've gone, like that's the, the battleground mm. now in this changing kind of hearts and minds of folks are, are the States where it's still up for grabs and you, ha- you know, and it is dangerous to be out and you are fighting for these rights and you're making yourself more visible. And, you know, there's this kind of challenge from people of like, well, why would you, you know, why would you stay in Fort Wayne, just move somewhere where it's okay, but it's your hometown. Like mm. you want to, st- I mean, I applaud anybody that stays there and continues that battle and, right. and knows that this sea of change is coming. So the, you know, places I've been speaking mostly have been places that are, that are like that, where you have, you know, students, you know, usually college students, but sometimes high school students where they just want to, they want to have the conversation and they want to know, um, you know, kind of what that journey has been like for me, but also bring in their, their peers and, and, and have the tools to can continue to have those conversations. I, I feel like is, is a huge part of why I've been doing, which is, which is yeah. really fun. And then, you know, as the employment non-discrimination act is, is, you know, getting steam again, I feel like there are more, corporations and, and businesses that are seeing that as diversity as part of their social responsibility. Mm. So I've gotten some inquiries around that to just kind of go in and be like, okay, let's, let's have a conversation. Let's like, look at what we're doing. And, and just because you're going to bring a, uh, attention to the issue doesn't mean you have a problem, but 
you also need to, you know, support the people that are, that are there. So that's, that's been the kind of yeah, the arc of what's uh, been going on, which has been exciting. Yeah. I mean, an interesting way it makes sense, right? That, um, San Francisco and it's like, kind of like, we get it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so you, like, you're so 2000 and right, right, like, right. You're like, killing me. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and living in New York, you know, like being a lifetimer, um, it's just, I mean, nobody in my community, like, it's just, it's not an issue that's ever on the table. Exactly. It's not something that like any of the kids that are being raised in our families, it's not even something that's in our vocabulary because just whatever. Right. You know? Um, but yeah, so we kind of forget that I think outside mm-hmm. of uh, those major cities that you know, like people are not necessarily all treated properly, but th- has, has the effect of having that Ted talk just kind of explode. Do you feel like that's sort of given larger organizations like corporations potentially it's like, Oh, well, you know, She's legitimized now. We can bring her in because now, like, you know, there's, you know, we've got more authority to sort of, like, stand behind and bring somebody to talk about this into the organization. Or have you not really? No, no, I, th- I think that that's the case. I mean, I think that it has this, you know, it's, it's social media, obviously. I mean, I was really lucky when it happened and kind of the back end that social media had that, that gave it kind of the exposure no. that it had. But it has a, you know, it, it almost, at the TED Talk almost gives it, like, mainstream credibility. Right, yeah, exactly. That it isn't that controversial. Like, it isn't going to be that bad. Should I, like, go off and say something totally crazy? <laughs> yeah, I, I, so, yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's the part of it kind of being okay, and I know that there are, you know, people that have been doing the work longer than I have and, and are probably significantly better at the educational component of it. I mean, my, you know, that's the thing I kind of start every talk, and I'm like, I'm not an expert. Like, I'm not your women and gender studies right, you're PhD. Right, you're not the process person. Like, yeah. I'm just yeah. telling you what happened to me and telling stories like I would tell my buddies at a bar. You know, right. like, that's kind of that experience. But I, I feel like that there's a part of it that maybe makes it less scary. Like, if you're going to present it to the board, like, everybody's heard of a TED Talk. So it's like, oh, right. well, all right, it's fine. Sign the paper. If you think right. she's yeah. good, bring her in. I, I feel like that's part of it for sure. Yeah, and and, and I guess also, you know, part of it is that, uh, you know, the... um. In certain communities, you're actually talking about, um, you know, like LGBTQ issues, whereas like, but that's not, it's funny, I like, I don't really see what you're talking, that's not what it was about to me. Right, you know, totally. So you can actually go into an organization and say, you know, like, okay, that that happened to be the contextual overlay for for mm-hmm. like that, the stories are based around that, but fundamentally what I'm talking about is, exactly. is the, the, um, the need to have more truthful and open conversations and that is a challenge that every organization on the planet has. Absolutely. And that you're, yeah. And I think that you uh, embrace that diversity and that difference of opinion and that you, you know, that's, I can't speak to other, you know, marginalized or underrepresented groups. I can just speak to mine. But again, for, you know, it's so funny to, to think now of how touchy feely and bolder it feels, but to be like, <laughs> it just goes back to what you're feeling and you can yeah. relate to what this feels like. You know, you, I've, you know, there's places that I'm scared to go into and everybody has places they're scared to go. It could be a part of town, could be an office, could be a meeting, could be a boardroom, could be a bedroom, could be anywhere. Like there's places you are just scared to go because you can't be yourself. You know what that feels like, whether it's me in a bathroom in Newark or, you know, whatever your version of that story is like, you can relate to it. So what, I mean, for you, what is it worth? You know, I feel like I, you know, there's still like, I still get my shoulders go up around my ears every time I walk in a public bathroom. Like it just, mm. you know, it just, it feels like that. But I, my response and energetically, I just go to it very differently than I did when I was 25. Like, you know, you'd like, it's incredibly how disarming smiling at somebody is, mm. you know, if, if they think you don't belong or they do whatever, like, you, you know, making eye contact as opposed to like just kind of putting your head down and going in. And the, you know, the talks are still, 
till you know are, are still scary for me and I think they always will be and I think that that's part of it because you go into a room of people and you know you just I think we all do that like you just question yourself of like who am I hmm. to say any yeah. of this you know and are these stories still funny and are they still relatable and are they relatable in North Carolina where I've never been in my life I don't know I hope so they seem real you know that that you know and what we said earlier like that being accepted or being understood or, or, or you know f- feeling like you belong I think is you know something that we all kind of worry about but I've been I've been lucky I've been in, in really great places and and been with people and, and I think that part of why it's good is or why it works maybe is that I people um they're just my stories like you know that's not really I don't get too nervous that yeah. I have to like remember the script cause yeah because it's, like, it's you've lived it exactly you're <laughs> yeah. like I can tell that a thousand times over yeah. you know and, and bringing it together and making it relatable to certain contexts that I think sometimes is a little bit challenging but I don't know when you people when, when you kind of go in and, and I go in this kind of vulnerable way I've, I've been you know lucky enough that their response has been incredible so. yeah well it's kind of like uh in a very very past life I was a lawyer and you know, they teach you in law school that you know against claims of libel and slander truth and truth is an absolute defense yes you know and it's kind of like the same and it's funny I look at that when I speak also and we both speak in front yeah, of sure. and it's kind of like I get up on stage and I, and I got this from Simon Sinek actually before I actually go up now like I literally say to myself I'm here to serve and then you know like and I remind myself like they want me to succeed and I'm not bullshitting anybody right you know, it's like when you go up and you're like, look, here's my truth. Like, this is, and these are my stories. I've actually lived them. You may accept them. You may not. You may accept my ideas. You may not. And that's cool. But this is my truth. Right. And when, and sometimes they accept them. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they love you and sometimes they hate you. Right. But at least like when they, when they don't accept them, when you can fall back on the fact, like, this is fundamentally, you know, like, I, I was real. I was honest. I was truthful, right. and I and I showed up with the intention to give. Mm-hmm. Um, you oh, can yeah. walk away still feeling like, yeah, I'm I'm okay. I'm right. good. You know, it's, it's not always super easy, but no. it makes you. It creates that you know place to touch stone again. And say, yeah, like I'm I'm doing what I need to do for the right reasons. Right, and I think in that context, you you know, hopefully fall back on the concept of like if you touch one, if you're there to give, and one person in the room got it, you know, and turned around and walked out before. Hmm. Everybody started, you know, throwing rotten apples, <laughs> tomatoes at you. Then, then you, then you, you know, you kind of right. did your work, like you yeah. know, with accolades and you know ticker tape. But if it's you know just one person and you can kind of feel that connection or one thing resonate or they think about it one point later, then like you've done what you came there to do. Yeah, no, totally agree. So, so the name of this is, is Good Life Project. Um, so, so I always wrap with one question, which is the same question for everybody, okay. which is to you. When I offer that term up to live a good life, what, what does it mean to you? Um, I think, you know, for me, it's this new version of what were you saying, like giving it back and, and, and just being being a better person at the end of the day than I was at the beginning of the day and kind of going, going through life, um, you know, I, I think changing minds with a smile and a conversation as opposed to like, a soapbox and a megaphone, mm. you know, like I, I think that that's the direction that this has taken now. And it, um, it was just an incredible softening that it happened to me and, and by kids that were not my kids. Um, but you know, you just kind of like bend your knees and, you know, kind of like ease into like, you can't, 
you can't, you can't, the good, you know, a good life to me is, is a happy life and a, and a connected life and a empathetic life and a life filled with, with love and not that there isn't challenges or the times to stand up and fight for sure. But that that's just a lot. I want to be around for a while and, and that mm. seems like a, an, an easier way to kind of stick around and, and be happy and, and be who, who I feel like I actually am in the world. So Yeah, awesome. Thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. Me too, Jonathan. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to Good Life Project. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd share a quick review over on iTunes. It helps us get the word out to more people and make a bigger difference in the world. And hey, while you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you'd love to know more about how we can help you live your best life, check out our upcoming events and courses at goodlifeproject.com. I'm Jonathan Fields, signing off with gratitude.